Today's campaign podcast is sponsored by the Mini MBA series. The Mini MBA series was created by marketing professor Mark Ritson. It's aimed at every marketeer who wants to reach the top of their game. The Mini MBA will help you tackle big challenges, seize big opportunities, perhaps even find a big new job. The Mini MBA is designed to give people the tools, language and confidence they need to tackle big marketing and business challenges. It takes lessons from the world's top business schools and makes them more flexible, more accessible and more affordable. With the Mini MBA, you'll get a great return on your investment in terms of skills, expertise and confidence in your role. To find out more, search for Mark Ritson Mini MBA. Hello and welcome to the Campaign Podcast. I'm Imogen Watson, Working Inspiration Editor. Today, we'll visit a panel from Campaign's TV Ad Summit, which took place on Tuesday, the 27th of February. Campaign UK editor Maisie McCabe spoke to the Emmy and BAFTA award-winning director and producer James Strong, who directed ITV's hit drama Mr Bates vs The Post Office. Told in four parts over four days, the programme dramatised the British post office scandal, a miscarriage of justice in which hundreds of sub-postmasters were wrongly prosecuted for theft, false accounting and fraud at the hands of a faulty computer system. The television drama transcended entertainment and became a catalyst for social change. Now, hundreds of people wrongly convicted are set to have their names cleared under new legislation planned by the UK government. Strong and Macabre examine this unique phenomenon and explore why it provokes such a vast reaction and worldwide demand for attention. They also discuss the implications for the future of TV drama, the betrayal of real-life issues, and how this will influence the strategies of broadcasters seeking to attract advertisers. Just to note, Ridley Scott's production company, RSA Films, has actually just signed Strong to its UK roster. Before we start, here's a quick word from another show by Campaign's parent company, Haymarket. We interrupt this podcast to deliver an important message for media people from media people. We are the Media Week podcast. Four faces in the weeds of the media world come together to provide you with a digestible summary of industry updates and media bants. Each episode, Jack from Craft, Buki from Wavemaker, Charlie from Show Heroes and me, Harriet from Publicis, chat all things from social, out of home, programmatic and more. Tune in to wherever you get your podcasts to hear what's hot, what's not and our opinions on navigating the industry. Hello, I'm Maisie McCabe. I'm the UK editor of Campaign, um, and this is James Strong, who's a, a TV director, and most recently was responsible for Mr. Bates versus the Post Office. Um, so we've just got a little VT that shows the kind of um, achievements of the show to set us off and set the mood. The Post Office told every single one of us, you're the only one. Oh my God. That was a lie. Mr. Bates versus the Post Office, the four-part ITV series, has galvanized public outrage. Hundreds of postal workers who were wrongly convicted. The Post Office scandal. El Servicio Postal Británico. Some convicted and imprisoned, and others forced into bankruptcy. This is about the reputation of the Post Office. Mr. Speaker, this is one of the greatest miscarriages of justice in our nation's history. Why couldn't you do it so long ago? The fact that it takes an ITV drama. From this moment, none of us will be the only one ever again. 
Since it aired, hundreds of new possible victims have come forward. They told me I was the only one. I believed it was my fault. The more of you people I meet, the less I know how you're all still standing. We are truly sorry. At 10, a giant step towards justice for hundreds of innocent people caught up in the post office scandal. Connor Venons has agreed to return her CB. We will introduce new primary legislation to make sure that those convicted are swiftly exonerated. None of this would have been possible if it wasn't for one man. We managed to expose the truth. Today, Fanny Compton, tomorrow the world. James, uh, how does that feel watching? Um, it still gets me quite emotional actually watching it. The the, the impact and the, the it's the real people when you see them. They never fail to kind of get you and you remind you of of the heart of this is is telling their story and stuff. But uh, yeah, no, I think not? the audience is nineteen million as well. Now. I think you, he told me today. So. Yeah, it's gone up to nineteen. Just yeah. the nineteen. <laughs> Yeah. And so were you surprised? Obviously, you've kind of been worked on this project a lot of last year. And, um, you know, like you must have um, known you'd done well, you put together. We we knew it was, we liked, we, we knew we'd done a good, we thought we'd done a good job. Um, it's quite interesting. The executive producer, Patrick Spence, emailed us all <clears throat> the night before to say, look, we're up against the BBC tourists. It's a big drama. We might not, <clears throat> you know, we might take a bit of a hit in the ratings. So, look. Brace yourselves, people will find it. We've done good work. And then, of course, next morning it was four million overnight. Yeah. We smashed the slot. And then the next night we rose by a million. And then on the Wednesday it was, oh, it's, it's Traitors is on. Well, now we're in trouble. <laughs> traitors is on. And we smashed them as well. And then by the end of the week it was up to 10, I think it was eight, 10 million. So. And then it sort of tips into a phenomenon, and it's, then it's on the front page of the newspapers, then it's on every chat show, on, on every radio show, on every newspaper, every TV channel in Britain. And then so it, even leading the news at one... It's well, today, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's still the, they're fighting like rats in a bag, trying to blame each other. Um, so it's... And it never stopped. It sort of kept... Every day was like another yeah. headline, another um, news story. And it's yeah, like I said, it's... it's Front, it's top story today, right now, on the BBC. So it's 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 amazing. But, yeah. And what do you think? What what was it about the story, the way it's told, the way it was presented, the scheduling, kind of? I mean, <clears throat> a lot of people ask me, how do you, you know, how do you explain that impact? And it's a kind of, it's a number of factors. I think the fact that the story was half finished, I think, was was key. That actually, a lot of time when you'll do this sort of TV drama, factual, true story drama, and it's retrospective, and you'll look back and you'll shine a light on something, and you'll perhaps get a good understanding of it. But this was, this was live. This was unresolved, and and I think people, and it was out there. People knew about it. There was newspaper articles. There was a book. There's a podcast. There've been panorama documentaries, but there was something about the nature of it as a drama that connected with that audience, that terrestrial TV 
audience. And so that those five, when suddenly five million people have seen something, then it becomes water cooler. Then it becomes a talking point in at the school gates, and 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 it became it tipped over into that thing where it becomes a phenomenon, if you like. Mm-hmm. And a, and a, I think you can. I think it is. I think you can claim phenomenon. <laughs> phenomenon, if you can say it. If I can say it, yeah. <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> Um, and so the scheduling obviously was interesting. I think it obviously was stripped over four days. Do you think that kind of... Yeah, I mean, I think we benefited from it being um, New Year's Day. I think you have a kind of captive audience. You have a relatively quiet news week. Um, and so we kind of, yeah, benefited from those things um, and a good slot. Um, and so, and we'd had good previews and all that stuff. And I think there was this awareness of the lots of people kind of knew something about it or those that knew that listened to the podcast were like this is outrageous and but it hadn't captured the public um so i think a lot of people wanted to know more about it and so watched it and i guess how see you sort of managed to tell what is quite a you know a terrible harrowing story but in a way that was life-affirming almost in you speak to kind of i guess how do you go about doing that and pulling that together the, there's lots of things going on but the the, my main MO when I was, uh, you know, set to direct it was, it's a, it, in many ways, it's a very depressing, terrible story of injustice. And these people have been through hell. But my feeling was that if it was a bleak watch and it was a tough watch, then, then you would, wouldn't take the audience with you. So I deliberately wanted it to be a kind of, not an easy watch, but a kind of a, a clear watch. And it was an attractive watch and it was... It's kind of, somebody said also, it's Britain in its best and its worst in terms of the whole. And I wanted to sort of show off that, that quintessentially British-ness in, in the way, in the locations, in the design, in the look of it and stuff. We were blessed with a very beautiful English summer when we shot it, or, and Welsh. Uh, and so... And was that good, or I guess? Well, it was what it was, because yeah. when we were shooting, <laughs> it was choice, but... But it allowed, I think, again, a sense that you wanted to watch it, that, that, that it, was a, it, was, it was a good watch. And it wasn't, it, the, the emotions in there and the difficulty of, the, of what these people face and the horror is there. But it's a sort of a horrible, terrible thing taking place in a, in a, in a kind of beautiful place, if you like, or you know, mm. a, a recognizable place um, that, that we all recognize those post offices and those streets and those fields and those parks and stuff. Are you a marketer facing a big challenge or a big opportunity? Maybe you're moving to a big new job. Well, you need the Mini MBA. I'm Mark Ritson, and I launched the Mini MBA to pack every little slice of valuable learning into a tiny amount of time. It will give you all the tools, all the language, and all the confidence you need to tackle any marketing challenge. That's why we like to say, Mini MBA, major ROI. And obviously, it's sort of quite a classically British drama. So, um, with the way drama is funded now, was that difficult from a, a sort of budget perspective? Um, the the budget was tight. It was really tight. Um, and interestingly, we, you know, normally for this sort of high end drama, you would look to get co producers or foreign sales to, to up the budget. <laughs> we got none, nothing, <laughs> not a one penny. Story about the post office. It's a story about the post office in Britain. Who cares? And and so. It was, it, yeah, it was, it was a really sort of tough, because it's also, it's a, it's, it spans 20 years. You've got lots of characters, lots of locations. There's courtrooms full of people and all that stuff. So it was a big ask, and we had to, 
we had to ask the cast to to reduce their fees to you know so everybody did it kind of a little bit helping the budget and but it was it was still a you know it was still a tight budget and um but since the I'm sure they've, they've sold it all over the world now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's literally gone everywhere now. Um, so that's that's great for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously you've got lots of experience. I, I missed out the speed. Your your very extensive um, back catalogue, but you've worked on you know big dramas like Broadchurch and Family Fair, Vigil. Um, do you tailor how you, do you work any? differently when you're doing commercial telly versus kind of, I guess, uh, work that's not going to have ads against it? I mean, no, not really. I, th I think you, I, whatever it is, I, I want to get the biggest audience possible. And there's sometimes a sort of snobbery that if something's successful and millions of people watch it, then it's somehow not as, not as meaningful as something that six people watch that, you know, gets nominated, nominated for an award. But I, I think accessibility and openness and kind of trying to appeal to a broad audience is a is a skill and it actually is something that is important to bring stories to as big an audience as possible. So, um, and it comes down to clarity and all the choices of the, of the, of the, of the, you know, the normal directorial choices, but they're really about being, I think, opening up worlds and making it easy for people to follow a story and to set your worlds up and to set your characters up and to, and to really rigorously examine the scripts so that if, because if you're confused and it doesn't make sense to you or the actor, well, it's <laughs> damn well not going to make sense to the to to the audience either. And I think sometimes, you know, you you look at a script and you're like, I don't understand it. And so now I, you know, you you do learn to to question them and be rigorous with the script. And then from there, you can build a visual landscape around it that, you know, and then the performances and 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 the, and all the editing and all the things that the choices that you have. Kind of combined to to hopefully, you know, it's it's story led, so it's whatever style shoots the material. Um, but yeah. yeah, you want you want to bring the audience. And do you choose? How do you choose your ad breaks? <laughs> Where are the ad breaks going to go? Oh, I mean, if you're doing a commercial, if you're doing an ITV show, then then they're embedded in the script. And I think it, again, at script stage, you work to make sure that it's either a full stop or it's a question or it's there's. You can't ignore the breaks, and I think sometimes people, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to work to that, and I'm going to pretend the adverts aren't there, and actually, you're making a big mistake because because the adverts are integral, and actually, they help the rhythm of the drama. I think if you get them correctly, they give you a pause, they give you a question, they give you a push forward. So you initially you embed them in the script, um, and then when you shoot them, you know, you, you're always mindful. This is an end of part. This is a break. And equally, coming back off the off off a break, you've got to reset the the calendar a bit, and and remember, you know, you've you've got to take people back in. Um, and I think if you if you if you're aware of that, I think it just makes again a more a more comfortable watch and a more enjoyable watch, and then and then easier in the right way watch. You don't want to be thrown out because they're halfway through a scene and then suddenly you've slammed into a, into a commercial break and stuff. So they're very carefully. I I take a lot of time to. And then when you get into the edit suite to, to, to kind of manufacture them so they so they work because you can't deny that they're happening so you might as well embrace them and make them as use them use them as as moments to to take a breath and hold the audience and 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 want them to come back to to answer that question or or whatever it is. Okay, great. Do we have any um, questions in the floor before we move on? Or 
here. We've got some questions here. Um, oh, this is a good one. So, um, I don't know who it's from, but it's not controversial. Um, so it says, how did um, the show come about and end up being commissioned? Um, well, there was, if you, I don't know if you remember, there was a documentary on ITV after the drama finished. And so the makers of that documentary, a little company called Little Gem, um, originally took the idea to ITV Studios four years ago. And then Polly Hill, drama commissioner, commissioned a script and Gwyneth Hughes commissioned it, basically, and said, this is amazing, we should do it. Yeah. Um, and so then there was three years of, of, of Gwyneth meeting all of the people. And you're talking seven, you know, hundreds of people and, and then whittling it down and deciding on how to tackle the story and, and how to tell it and, and whose story to tell and stuff. And then I think it became quite clear that Alan Bates was the was the way in that that he was the kind of hook that you could take through right the way through to the end because he is he led the campaign so he naturally became the focus but then it was about building the other characters around him because am I right in thinking some of them are real and then some of them are kind of amalgamations of people no, all the all the victims all are real all, all, all the, the characters are real yeah. the, the only amalgamation me. is is the um, forensic uh, account accountant was was two people and we couldn't afford two people so we, <laughs> so we had one that's fine <laughs> literally we couldn't afford two actors okay well, pardon <clears> me <throat> and do you, and how did the actors go about i guess learning the characters did they do well, it differently every actor's process different um <laughs> uh some want to like read everything meet the real people live in their house and and become the person so monica dolan who's amazing, um, she is best friends with Joe now, Hamilton, <laughs> and really sort of went out of her way to, you know, to embody her. Um, whereas Toby, for example, he, he, he likes to create the character for the screen that's, and he's aware that he doesn't want to do an impersonation, so he, he kind of inhabits, he meets, he met Alan for a cup of tea, but then that was it. So, you know, um, and then Julie, who played um, Alan's wife, she went and had dinner and, and, and did a bit of kind of, spent a bit of time with, with Alan's wife. But yeah, uh, I mean, they all sort of, to varying degrees, wanted to um, kind of meet the real people. But it, it, yeah, some are more kind of, it's more important for some people than others. Yeah. Um, and there's also lots of information on the podcasts and, and the background information and stuff. And it's interesting which actors want to dive in and get everything and then those that and you don't have a preference as the director um i mean no not really it, it, it's more i mean if they've got no idea what's going on <laughs> we encourage we, we we gave them you'd like them to pay you know yeah, care a little I mean, bit yeah I, I mean most people were quite aware of it and we had a sort of research pack so every actor had all of the all of the information they needed and and the, the books, the podcasts, the documentaries and stuff. So it was all there. And actually all the actors, you know, did all their homework and stuff and were very kind of devoted to making it accurate. Um, we've got another question here, which is quickly, if I'm allowed. Yeah, just about. Um, so do you think this is a model that be repeated for other scandals or um, is there a, a risk that kind of, I guess this is a, a one-off or become like a novelty thing? For Yeah, I mean, the, the, they do make, they have made true stories, factual dramas, for years, and, and so they are kind of ITV do them, BBC do them, they are a fixture of the schedule. Uh, this sort of campaigning one, I mean, I think the hope is it's not a unicorn, that it's not the once 
Um, I mean, I think the, this was the circumstances were, were were unique as we've talked about. But I, I mean, I, I know that they've commissioned a, a one on the blood scandal, and I know that there's there are other ones in the pipeline, the BBC and Channel Four. So I think it's shown that there is an appetite for um, uh, social action television drama that is not always retrospective and 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 can have a, a campaigning element to it so yes i think it does but it still doesn't change the kind of economic model and it's interesting you know whether they'll be well whether they would get co-production money or foreign sales or or a, a you know a, a budget level that would bring it up to sort of to make it a bit, yeah. a bit more easier and i guess and how to kind of switch tack slightly um in terms of you'll see um directed some uh, ads as well and how do you take your i guess feature or tv experience to um, to ads when you're having to produce into 30 seconds. I think for me, it still boils down to kind of credibility and what's and it's those performances and those worlds that you create. Do you believe them? And do you believe them instantly? Because even in the TV drama, you you, you don't want to waste a minute or two for people to kind of. Oh, I'm not sure about this. You have, instantly they have to know. Okay, I recognise this world. I recognise that emotion or that point or that situation. So I think it's all of those things applied, but it's kind of maybe distilled into a, into a slightly more focused thing, which is kind of really enjoyable to do that. Um, but it's the same; it's the same principles, but you just dial it up a little. Okay. Am I getting cut off? We're going to get yeah. This is as, as serious as ITV schedulers here, I think, <laughs> and everyone else. Other schedules are available. Well, thank you so much for joining us, James. I'm sorry we didn't have time for any more questions, but um, let's hope for lots more of that kind of social action drama. Right. Please fund it. <laughs> That's all we have time for. If you'd like to learn more about what we've been discussing, then please visit our website, campaignlive.co.uk, where you'll also find details of our subscriptions. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Campaign Podcast, then follow us, like us, and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. While I have you, I just want to flag that tickets are still available for Campaign's Inspiring Women Awards, which takes place next Thursday, the 7th of March. It's an evening event, it's at 7pm. And I'll be hosting a panel on making the C-suite fit for women, so you won't want to miss out. Big thanks to Haymarket producer Till Owen and studio manager Nath Pal. On behalf of the Campaign team, thanks for listening. I hope you'll join us next time.